Inside the Lab, the podcast brought to you by Victory Square Technologies. Because when you're building the tech giants of tomorrow, the only place to do it is inside the lab. I'm your host, James Graham, and Inside the Lab is where we're talking to people who are changing the game. Technology, entrepreneurship, sports, business, the future. You name it, and we'll likely touch on it with folks from across industries and members of the Victory Square portfolio family. In this episode, we're joined by Berinda Rossotti, CEO of GrowTech Labs. GrowTech Labs is an organization helping to facilitate cannabis companies going from the pre-legalization to post-regulation markets. A homegrown social influencer, former civic leader, and owner of a seriously wicked Twitter game, Brinder is one of BC's cannabis leaders. We think you're going to enjoy this one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another edition of Inside the Lab. It's the Victory Square podcast where we talk about anything we want to. And I'm very pleased to be sitting across uh, the desk today from uh, Brinder Rosotti of uh, GrowTech Labs. Good morning. Well, good morning. We're just really pleased to be at a desk anywhere in the Lower Mainland right now. It's been quite the week. Well, I mean, considering the weather, yes, that will uh, that will do it to you. Definitely. Who, who likes adventure? We all do. We all do. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing the crazy things we're doing. Oh, uh, we wouldn't be living here at this stage. So that's true. You've been a willing guinea pig for me on more than one occasion (laughs) with various conversations. And so it made sense to have you come back and, uh, and do the podcast as well, but especially because you guys are dropping bombs right now. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on and it really just, it made sense. Let's like, we need to, we need to talk about that. We need to get that out there and make sure wake the town and tell the people. So, I mean, where, where do you want to start? Well, I think, you know, for me, it's really encouraging and many people who are in the startup mode or have come out of startup mode will really feel what I'm saying. And that is last year, we spent a lot of time learning, connecting, dreaming, building out plans. And 2020 has kicked in with just a massive positive force on getting lots of things finalized. So one of the most exciting pieces is this new plant science research center. Okay, so that's uh, and it's involved. That's ETC three. Yeah, ETC three. It is a eighty-one thousand square foot facility on six acres of land at UBC at Westbrook Mall. It used to be a pulp and paper research center. So any scientist who's walked through there with me, it is like a little kid in a candy store because. Not only is the lab space, the office space, the seminar space amazing, but the size of the kitchen, the refrigerator, the amount of power, and a back room that's literally four stories high where we can put some very cool modulars in uh, to do research is just an amazing opportunity. So this is, I guess, sort of a continuation of your mandate to help the community grow, I'm guessing, but specifically in the uh, in the plant sciences sector. Absolutely. So GrowTech Labs is accelerating pre-legalization companies to get into the regulated market. We're supporting craft growers, the co-op. We are building out Noble Cannabis Park, which is a series of um, micro sites for growers. And we also have an education platform, truehaven.com. And this is the natural next step for us. So... 
where do you see the next six months then for the center, uh, sort of next six, six months to a year going? Like what's, what are the next steps you guys need to undertake? Well, what's really exciting for us is having a facility um, and having the resources um, and have already built out a very competent advisory committee that includes Alex the Chemist, Dr. Ivan Castleman and uh, Susan Chappelle, MBA. Um, we are on track not only to um, be forging relationships and having conversations with groups already doing work in the plant science area, especially in the psychedelic area. The next six months for us will look like uh, building out a research facility that will be an IP hub and getting those labs um, filled with great minds while we provide the business solutions. So scientists want to be scientists. They don't want to deal with the compliance, the business, or the investor piece. And so we are now talking to companies who are either already doing work or have a plan to do some research. So is this more designed to give the sci to connect scientists with the business side of things or vice versa? Bo both. Um, scientists are already doing the work. Um, they're not housed in one facility where they can build off collaborative knowledge and resources. They are also looking. And so this saves them a lot of money in terms of consulting and other charges that often, you know, new companies look at. And we are also blessed with the opportunity that Health Canada is not only aware of this facility, they've already licensed a couple of um, businesses in the facility. Mm. So that'll fast track the due diligence Health Canada has to do. So there's they've got their finger on the pulse, it seems, for once. And they're Absolutely. Actually... And, you know, very encouraged that Innovation Canada is also already in discussions because that is one area that I believe that both um, industry on the plant science side and government recognizes that research is pivotally important to make sure that as these conversations on decriminalizing some of these therapies moves forward, and as more and more people are using alternatives to either opioids or traditional medicines, uh, that we provide uh, sound fundamental research so consumers are making good decisions. Do you feel then that I guess the, the information and the knowledge that's going to sort of come out of here is going to make things easier for everyone involved? Because we look at what's gone down. The first time that you and I talked yes. was literally just after legalization kicked in. And it's been this wild adventure, not only for the underground grow community, through to the business side of things, and just looking at all the uh, all the corporations that sort of jumped in and and, and how interesting government has and the, how interesting the effect that government has had on everything so knowledge is going to be a good thing for everyone involved and hopefully better better the situation for everyone i'm guessing uh, absolutely i think one of the things that we'll look back on and we're already some of us quite aware of is that some of the challenges that the cannabis industry for example has had is a lack of uh, acceptance from business professional and health associations and a lot of the time, these other groups are pointing to the fact that there's not enough research. Consumers are also saying not enough research. So uh, specific to the psychedelic space, uh, I think it's really important that we do have research available to those organizations, to individuals, but also in a manner that's uh, easy for people to digest. I don't think a lot of people either have the time or the desire to read a 400-page scientific report, but partnering with an organization that will then uh, do some advocacy on behalf of the research work, I think is a really winning combination. Breaking it down for the Breaking layman. Breaking it down for people like me. <laughs> 
and me and everybody else. <laughs> Speaking of psychedelics, yes. I mean, let's let's talk about True Haven yeah. for a minute. Uh, what is True Haven and why should people be uh, paying attention to it? So True Haven uh, is an educational platform that's uh, creating a conversation. Uh, we're not advocating for anything. What we are doing is letting people know what is going out out there in terms of both uh, psychedelic products, but also the way that they're being used, either for breaking addictions or um, PSD. Um, so we want to make sure that, as I'm learning, that we are using a voice that is teaching others, and very similar to what we did with the National Institute for Cannabis Health and Education. Sometimes when you go to sites that are closely aligned to the industry, you know, you do ask some questions about the validity or the bias that comes with that, which is quite natural. So True Haven is an unbiased education platform to have a discussion on psychedelics. And what is going on with psychedelics in this country right now? Because well, so much, uh, and I mean, that's, that's probably a whole other conversation unto itself. It is. But so much of the, the public consciousness has been focused on cannabis legalization and then the recent additions of, of edibles and things like that being available into the market. But we're still to, there's still this sort of this mushroom undercurrent out there that uh, I get the feeling is probably really going to start bubbling up in the next 12 to 18 months. Well, yeah, if, if not sooner. If, if not sooner, and if not, some would say it's already happening. We see a number of states in the U.S. like Oregon who have... Um, uh, looked at de decriminalizing psychedelics. We have amazing uh, organizations here in BC, like MAPS up at UBC and Numinous, who are already developing medical protocols and doing research on alternate therapies. If anybody gets a chance, if Dost is playing in your community, please go watch it. It is a fascinating story. I've of heard it. nothing but good things. Yeah, it's an, an amazing example of how psychedelics are able to break the cycle of addiction where other treatments have failed. I think that this conversation is not only moving much quicker than the regulators would like, but that's another role that True Haven will play is to educate those regulators so that they aren't having knee-jerk reactions based on stereotypes or being concerned about the e-commerce companies that are already out there without the regulations. It's There's lots of parallels to how the cannabis industry forged forward in Canada. Well, I mean, you can only hope then that you know the psychedelic industry sort of looks at what has gone down in the last yeah. two years with cannabis and... You're like, okay, we, we've seen the mistakes. Let's try not to recreate them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now that um, organization like John Hopkins or The Economist is publishing a lot of really great pieces on psychedelics, I think the awareness of the public is increasing. Um, and we do want to provide the public with a way of accessing these medicines in a supervised fashion. Because the last thing we want is for um, people who aren't aware of how to do things to not have good reactions. And once that hits the media, that does send the whole industry back. If you're going to do it, do it right. Yes. It benefits everyone. Absolutely. I guess the other big thing that's been on the GTL platform uh, in the last couple of months has been, uh, as you mentioned, Noble. So yes. let's, let's, let's talk about that as well. Cause that's, uh, it's been interesting sort of watching you guys kind of pivot out of the original um, GTL focus into this it feels like it's a broader spectrum of things that you're doing, but at the same time, the original philosophy yep. is still very much there. You know, as any business has to do is assess its uh, business plan and um, be nimble. Our goal is to advance BC Bud to remain as the world's best product and to honor the growers who sacrifice so much to get a government to legalize this. So 
As we were touring the province for the BC Craft Farmers Co-op, one of the things that happened is that there were a very large number of growers who wanted to be a part of a collective group, but not under the co-op model. And that's when GrowTech looked to facilitate um, how we could serve those growers. And we've secured six parcels of land across the province where we will be putting modulars for those growers to grow on because our mandate has been to accelerate pre-legalization processors, cultivators, and brands into the regulated market. And by building these canna parks under the Noble brand, we are staying true to that mandate. So if they're not interested in essentially getting into a co-op model, what was the consensus on where they wanted to go? Well, what they want is they want a Health Canada compliant grow room Mm. where they can share costs around a QA, quality Mm. assurance person. And then they they don't want to deal with distribution. They don't want to deal with processing. So by being on one of the Noble facilities, you're able to retain the profit from your crop. Mm. Uh, We will buy the crop from the growers and process it for those who choose not to process. So does this mean Noble is essentially establishing itself as an LP? Uh, Noble is establishing itself as a management and service provider to licensed growers under the micro license. Excellent, okay. What do you see the next six to 12 months with with Noble turning out uh, as? Uh, Next uh, six to 10 months for us is working with the municipalities in the six cities that we have the pieces of agricultural land. We are um, investing funds into building out those facilities. And then we are doing all this lockstep and at the same time with the growers who are going to be our master grower for the site and be working with the growers community that comes into the facility. We're not doing it, build it and they will come. We are doing a, we are building with you. They're already yeah, they're already they're there. They're already there. But some of the large canna parks have invested large sums of money in building out these really big facilities without, my understanding is without having the growers at the table to do that. And we decided that it was really important that the lead, growers actually lead this process. Not being directly involved in the industry on a day-to-day basis, it kind of makes more sense to me at least that if you would be, that if you're going to do something like that, as it says on the wall, we rise by you know by yes. lifting others, and yes. it's like if you if you're not doing it hand in hand, yes. then I think that might speak to the uh, nature of sort of where your head's at. Yes, I agree. I agree. In my own personal, <laughs> those are like I guess the three big things for 2020. Is there anything else? on the table for GTL that we uh, that we should be talking about? Because, I mean, I know that you guys have a bunch of other cohorts as well that, uh, you know, that you're still uh, working with in terms of helping people get, say, cannabis-infused product out into the market. Yeah, we're moving fast and furious with the two cohorts that we've uh, launched, which is Cristetta CBD Water and Vibe Kombucha. We are working with others and we'll do a rollout within the next six to eight weeks. But we continue with our mandate of supporting pre-legalization cultivators, processors and brands with a special attention to both women-led and Indigenous-led companies to eliminate the barriers that these two groups have traditionally had. And we're continuing to have a lot of fun. We're speaking at a number of events in the upcoming weeks, uh, including a panel at Slack and then at the Women tech conference that's coming up so we'll continue to educate and engage while we're learning Um, we're hoping to bring lots of people along with us 
Let's ask the controversial question of the day. Oh, there always has oh, to be. Oh, there always, there's always, there's always fun. I thought we talked about this. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, it's, well, nor- normally I ask people, like, do they like cake for this? Uh, <laughs> but I've been doing that. I, 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 I do like cake. I've been doing that on my other radio show okay, for almost okay. 16 years. Where is the industry at right now and where does it need to go in, you know, looking back in hindsight of 18 months worth of, adventure in your opinion in my opinion we are 18 months out from the gold rush that people expected from the cannabis industry being legalized in canada i think right now there is a clearing of and an awareness that large mass produced cannabis is not really the way this works there is a complete pivot and interest into the craft pre-legalization growers a lot of uh, companies who took their business plan and deck public without generating revenue are feeling a bit of a crunch right now. For those who think that there's no money out there, I would fundamentally disagree with that. I think there is money for good projects that can demonstrate that they're able to generate revenue um, quickly. So I think 18 months from now, we will probably have maybe eight large LPs that survived all of this, but we will have across the country uh, a number of craft models, either under a Canapark model, a co-op model, or individual micro-growers who will do extremely, extremely well as Um, infused drinks enter the space. I am kind of raising a little bit of an eyebrow from my own personal experience. I understand that both the, the consumer base for flour and for vapes, and I understand the, um, consumer model and patient model around edibles. I don't understand how THC drinks are going to be as profitable of a business as some may think. I think CBD drinks that you can sip all day make some sense, but I'm not sure how an infused drink, which is very A, hard to manufacture, but B, also the dosing, how that plays into either a night out or um, taking it for medicinal purposes. But hey, I have been wrong about things in the past. Mainstream adoption seems to, at least on the business side of things, seems to be full bore. I mean, you can't like throw a stone in the city of Vancouver. Uh, without seeing a cannabis shop in yeah. uh, in one form or another. If we're seeing sort of the, the forthcoming apocalypse on the business side, are we going to see some of those stores disappear as well? Perhaps, you know, it's... Uh... Yeah, unfortunately, we are seeing the uh, provincial government's community safety unit not only doing raids. My understanding is also that uh, they have taken a step which they hadn't taken previously, which is um, to exercise civil forfeiture to seize the home and all personal assets of one of the companies up in the Squamish area. Um, So I think that the pre-legalization dispensaries that are out there, their time is very limited if they don't get a license. And I also think that for a lot of the growers and processors, um, they may need to take a look at getting regulated sooner than they thought they would have to based on the fact that government has done this test case with civil forfeiture, which, again, my understanding has been upheld in the courts. So the government's cracking down, and this is a general reminder to everyone that if you don't have your ducks in a row and you don't have your shit together, pardon my French, the likelihood of your business like functioning properly is 
not going to happen. I agree. And the advice that, um, not legal advice, mm. but just the sort of um, policy type advice that I would give mm. to people is that even if you are seen to be engaged at getting regulated, that that you that you're in a better spot than people who believe that they don't even need to consider it. What don't we know about Growtech Labs that perhaps we should? Wow, that's an interesting question. I mean, I think we're pretty engaged. Uh, we have a super cool team. I think one of the things people may not know uh, about Growtech Labs is that. Um, even though our presence on the industry side has been much smaller, that was uh, a, a consequence of circumstance and choice that we scaled very slowly. And so, but that's going to change in the next six months. And I think that people will get a real clear understanding about what GrowTech actually really is. Where can people go to find out more about GrowTech Labs? Oh, GrowTechLabs.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. We are out and about in the community, and so yeah, well, where are you, reach where out. Are you, where are you guys going to be? Because I know you're saying you're at the Women's Tech Regatta. Yes, and Tech Regatta and an event at Slack. And I am also speaking at the Langley Chamber of Commerce next week. Excellent. Uh, talking about the economic impacts of regulation. Very, um, I'm sure, exciting to all of you out there. Um, economics and government's a very interesting conversation. It's kind of hard to make it really juicy. But in this case, it is because there's been so much going on. It's based it in its own sauce yeah. for so long now yeah. that even if it's, you know, it, if, it, if it's not that interesting, it's still, it's... Given, given the time, there's lots going on. There's lots going on. Uh, what does the future hold? Uh, the future holds a lot of work, implementing both uh, the business plan with ETC3, finding a name uh, for our plant-based research center, implementing and building out the Noble Canna Park sites. So a lot of work. Uh, we're going to be looking for lots of people with skills in lots of different areas. So Stay tuned to our social media as we uh, grow our team in the next few months. And, you know, the other thing is that we'll continue on with advocacy. I think the provincial government is close to considering a craft model for cannabis like they have for craft beer. Has their perspective opened up in the last little bit? Absol like it, it, it's, it's, it seems that they've decided not to play as much of a heavy hand, I think, yeah. as, uh, as as they initially did when legalization first started. You're, you're, you're correct. And um Political pundits may have been predicting that there may be a provincial election this spring. That's a huge opportunity for all businesses and individuals out there to advocate and reach out to each party on what changes they'd like to see. But I'm, I'm quite encouraged that um, this Premier and Minister Farnsworth understand the value of the pre-legalization industry. They've uh, provided some funding through Community Futures in the Kootenays to support craft growers. So I don't think we're too far off from being able to see a craft retail and possibly consumption lounges in certain parts of BC. So the future is bright. The future Everyone is needs bright. Get your sunglasses out. Folks. Yes. All yes. Right. Anything else we need to let the people know about words of advice for young people, recipes, shouts out. <laughs> shouts out to those of who have been committed to this industry um, and who are struggling. Like I said, I think the future is bright. We're about 18 months out. Again, um, consume, but consume responsibly. Uh, every bad headline sets the industry back. That goes not only for consumers, but also for people who are engaged in business in the industry. We all rise together, so let's all be on our best behavior, folks. That was Brenda Rosodi of Grotech Labs. 
You can find out more about Grotech Labs at www.grotechlabs.com or on Twitter at Grotech Labs. If you enjoyed what you heard, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and spread the word about this podcast. We've got lots of guests to come that we think are going to blow your mind. As always, make sure you're following us on Twitter as well, at VicSquareTech. You can also sign up for our newsletter at our website, www.victorysquare.com. That's it for this transmission. We'll be back soon with another edition of the Victory Square podcast. But until then, stay curious, stay busy, and whatever you're doing, make sure you're doing it inside the lab.